Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Monday, everybody, and welcome into the Gramlick and McLean podcast presented by Ingalls, the official supermarket of the Gramlick and McLean podcast. I have to let the people in on a little secret here. Mac and I just recorded the whole intro and outro for this episode, and your girl did not press record. So we're back, Mac. <laughs> you know what, KG? <laughs> You're thinking about the beach. You're ready to yes. be on vacation. You're close. Uh, but not here yet. We got a little bit more work to do. Uh, and, and man, what a fun episode. It's crazy to think this is our last summer right. guest episode where, where we have Jacob Hester, LSU legend, SEC legend, SiriusXM uh, savant, uh, the great work that he does. And, and it was so fun catching up with him. Uh, I tell a little bit of a, a story about this, but KG, I, I played with him all the time on NCAA. I've murdered people with this guy. So it was a cool moment for me. Uh, to, to kind of have that and have him on our show. Um, but yeah, you're ready for the beach. Come on, let's go. My mind is obviously elsewhere. I'm going to the beach next week with the fam, Jacob's first official beach trip, full week right. there. And so I'll be hitting up Ingles to get all my beach necessities. And we know, Mac, that beach sandwich that you have at lunch, when you go out for the day in the morning, you come back, have your sandwich, go back in the afternoon – it hits different. And Ingles has everything you need, whatever type of sandwich you want for your beach trip, Ingles has you covered. Let me just tell you, the, the crispness, I, I'm a big tomato and cucumber guy on my sandwiches. Yes, and Mac. You bite into that, and especially when it's fresh and from Ingles and that produce section is bussing, uh, I'm all about it. I'm all about it, KG. And I know you, you understand that kind of, that, that midday break where you mm. get that sandwich just helps you for the rest of your beach time. I'm glad you like tomatoes. There are some tomato haters out there. One of them is my husband, and I just, I, I love I will, tomatoes. I will say this, and maybe I'm going to lose you here, but I, I will not just eat a tomato. Here in the South, like, they, they serve that, yes. like, as a side. I, I'm not that type of guy. I need it on, like, a sandwich, kind of in a dish. I'm not just eating a plant tomato. I'm so sorry. So, I will be getting tomatoes from Ingles because they are fresh and local. But Nick's aunt brings these fresh tomatoes Ooh, okay. from some farm that she had, she found. And I'll just put some dressing on them, a little salt and pepper, yeah. and eat them yeah. like a snack. Yeah, not so good. Me, but I'm happy. It's a summer staple. I'm happy for it. All right, Mac. Time to get to our awesome guest here. Jacob Hester is a baller on and off the field. He played his college ball at LSU, as we've said, where he helped LSU win a national title in 2007, was also all SEC that year, rushed for over 1,100 yards and 12 touchdowns, spent six years in the NFL with the Chargers and the Broncos. Come on, and KG, now he's in the sports media world, and you got to check him out, SiriusXM Radio, Channel 84. He hosts this show uh, off campus there, does such a great job, and has been with Sirius for, for a number of years now. Uh, I remember he and EJ you know, did a show together a couple years ago, and it was always fun to hang out with the two of them. So check him out, SiriusXM, our, our network buddy across the way there, uh, but so grateful for his time. And, and our last guest, as I mentioned, uh, of the season here for the summer guest list. So before we get to the interview, let's have a message from our friends over at Ingles. At Ingalls, we know your closest companions are the ones who are always there for you. The ones you trust to have your back, no matter what. Who make the hard times a little softer. And the good ones, somehow, a little better. That's what family is all about. Whether they walk on two legs or four. 
Ingalls, all the ingredients for family. Man, Jake, welcome into the podcast, brother. It, it was funny. We were going through some fun technical stuff. You know, you never you do all this research on different softwares, and God, we're going on like year three and some change here, and it's like you think you have it all ironed out, but you never know. It keeps you guessing. Uh, so welcome into the show, brother. Really appreciate you joining us. No, very glad to be on. I mean, y'all have been so gracious with y'all's time on our show and off campus, so it's the least I can do. Excited to be here. A little, a little uh, turning of the tables, if you will. So I like this. I like the way that this is going here. Uh, listen, I, I want to start with this because Kelly and I are, are newer parents, uh, and, and you just added a fifth, my man. And, and it's so funny because I think the two of us are we're like swimming as fast as we can trying to figure it out. I couldn't imagine five, but four boys you just had your daughter three weeks old. That has to be amazing, man. Oh, it's been incredible. I'm one of five. My wife's one of five, and so it was kind of always the plan. But, you know, baby number five, it took a little bit longer to get there. Our gap, like we're 13, 11, 10, and 7. So, you know, we've kind of had them back to back. Now, they've all been in different cities because of the NFL career and the lifestyle. It's kind of the way it goes. But, yeah, we finally got settled, had baby girl, fully expected it to be a boy. So it was a great surprise that it was a baby girl. And so, yeah, I mean, look, Philip Rivers is my mentor. That's that's my guy that I played with the Chargers. <laughs> my man's got nine. And so I've still got some some ways to go to catch up to my man, Philip Rivers. But I do have a 12 passenger van and that thing's not going to fill itself up. So who knows, you know? <laughs> oh my gosh. That is amazing. Um, I can I can assure you that neither Mac nor I will be having five children, but uh, your wife is a superhero. Yes. That's amazing. And I did just name my baby boy Jacob. It, it, it wasn't after you. I got to be honest, but I like the name synergy there. So mine is after the John Wayne movie, Big Jake. <laughs> my, my dad loved his Western oh. movies. There's a movie, Big Jake. And so that's where I got my name from. And so, you know, I am Jacob Hester. You know, that's kind of the name that, that I go by to a lot of people, but to the ones closest to me. It is Jake. And so if you call me Jake, I know we have a relationship and I'll probably answer to Jake a little bit quicker. So I'm just I'm just throwing it out there just in case you want to have some versatility. That's right. That's right. Well, you know what we'll do? What we'll do is we'll edit that out so people don't know. So you don't have that confusion (laughs) of, hey, this guy, they just listened to the podcast. Um, Before we jump into LSU, because KG is going to go there next. I do want to say this, man. It's a little bit of a fanboy moment. I've never told you this before because I wanted to wait until we had type of interaction like this. I grew up playing in CAA and would kick tail with LSU and you running all over the boys. So I had a, a dear friend in high school uh, and, and they grew up in Louisiana, moved to North Carolina. They were huge LSU fans. And uh, dude, we, we were big time Jacob Hester fans. I just wanted to let you know, I broke every record imaginable <laughs> with you on NCAA. So, you know, any of that stuff, you want to give me some praise? I made it happen. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, one, like the video game itself, like we all loved it. We all kind of had our squads that we played with. And it's funny, like it's not the squads that we played for. Right, right. Like everybody had their own like kind of system that they That's used. Right. Like for me, 
I always started out like as an offensive coordinator at like a smaller school in Louisiana, work like way up. Louisiana Tech, or I was going to go to Louisiana Lafayette. I was going to go to Tulane. I was going to be the coordinator, then work my way around the country, find my way back maybe <laughs> to LSU. But that was my process. And so I was a big service academy. That's Don't right. Don't let me get hot with the service That's academy right. <laughs> on NCAA. So I, look, I, I, I love the game. And I, hey, I appreciate it. Was I a fullback or a tailback, though? Because some of my friends listen, would listen. put me at the fullback no. position and throw no. it to the flats. No, I'm not wasting that, man. You're at a tailback. You're the main, you're the feature guy. 40 carries a game. That's what I we're doing. I love it. I love that. I love that. that. That's awesome, Mag. I love that story. Okay, so speaking of LSU, first of all, I see your LSU jersey behind you for our people watching on YouTube. Yeah. Um, LSU is hot right now. Now, LSU's always been good at everything, honestly, but they win the Women's Basketball National Championship. That was incredible to see a, a team that really nobody thought was going to win it all. They win the Baseball National Championship. Of course, football is is back in the national conversation under Brian Kelly. So what, what does that purple and gold mean to you? And if you could give us a few, it's probably hard to pick a few, but just a few of your favorite memories from your time there. Yeah, so obviously like, the women's championship has been fantastic. And one of the cool things uh, about Baton Rouge is they get behind every sport. Mm-hmm. Like when you see the NIL deals, I mean, I would think women's basketball, gymnastics, oh, yeah. softball, they're right there with baseball, with football, with men's basketball. So that's a really cool thing to see. And it kind of see it take over the town because it truly did. And so LSU is one of those places they do want to be really good at every sport. And Scott Woodward, the athletic director, has done a really nice job of hiring these coaches at, at like if you're a coach in year two at LSU like the pressure is on you had Ken Mulkey year two winning natty Jay Johnson year two winning natty BK's up next and then you've got Matt McMahon's trying to get the basketball program back on track as well so it, it's been a lot of fun to watch it's been a great ride uh, LSU I think is a very unique school because you have a state that has so much talent within it in multiple sports and you're really kind of the biggest ticket in town and I don't say that to be disrespectful to any of the schools that I talked about playing with on NCAA, but like when you look at Texas, obviously there's a ton of power five programs. You look at a state like Mississippi, they've got multiple schools, even like in Alabama. Are you in Auburn? Are you in Alabama? If you look at the state of Florida, multiple South Carolina, are you a Clemson? Are you South Carolina? So it is very unique for Louisiana to have that one power five school with a lot of talent surrounding it. And I thought that always made LSU a little bit unique, and it's been a big advantage for them. And you see them take advantage of it in multiple sports. And so it's been a lot of fun to kind of watch the the other sports because football's won four national championships. Baseball now just won their seventh. But there was something special about that women's basketball championship. When I was in school, LSU went to the Final Four every single year. Yes, Sylvia Fowles. Like, we used Mm -hmm. to love going to the games, but they could never get over that final hump in the Final Four. So – to see them finally do that, that one, honestly, it, it might be the most special of all of them. I love That's to hear incredible. you say that. Yeah, That's it's incredible. and the fact that Scott Wilber was able to go and get Kim Mulkey from Baylor. I mean, that's such a power move <laughs> to get a coach from yeah. a place where she's already won three national titles. Just yeah. incredible. Um, but when you look back at your career, you won the 2007 national title with LSU. You were all SEC that year. Of course, go on to be drafted in the NFL. We'll talk about that. But give me just a few moments that really stand out from your playing career. Oh, uh, if I had to pick a couple, you know, the championship year is probably always going to come to mind. Hey, uh, I love a good two loss national champion. Just put that out there. Right? Uh, You'll take the it. Only one, yeah, the <laughs> only one to do it. So what a year that was in 2007. And, 
you know, if you were number one in the country, really even one or two, like it wasn't good. Like it was some bad luck was going to come your way. And so we lose two games, both in triple overtime, one to Kentucky on the road, one to Arkansas there at home. And, and you kind of think that you're out of it. So that's certainly a memory, just having a two loss national champion. Uh, 2007 uh, Florida game was was an epic game. I'll always remember that one. It was like the height of Tebow time. They won a championship in 06. We win in 07. They win in 08. So it almost felt like that game, if you won that game, you were going to win a national championship. That's what kind of implications were on that game. So that game definitely stands out. But I think just the two loss and the nature of how we won that championship. Uh, Shady McCoy, if I ever see you in public, I'm going to buy you dinner for what you did against West Virginia to get us to that national championship game. Because, you know, you don't think there's any possibility. I forget what the underdog, what the number was on that, but they were a massive underdog. They win that game. Oklahoma beats Missouri. We're on a plane back from Atlanta in the SEC championship game. We're going crazy. We thought there was no way that we were going to find our way back. But I'll tell you this. Once we found our way back into the championship, we could have played the 72 Dolphins, and we were going to win that game after getting another opportunity. Man, how about that? Uh, that that's incredible. And that whole season, I mean, like you said, it, yeah. it was just nuts. I mean, Boston College is in the top five. USF is in the top. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> you look at you look at some of those screenshots, and you're just like, what is happening? Uh, but it was a great it's hard season. to explain that to somebody. Like, yeah, and yeah. now 2023, it's like, no, they had Matt Ryan. They were really, really good. I promise they deserve to be there. It's crazy. It's absolutely insane. Well, I, I want to dive a little bit further into the the LSU thing and, and you being from the state and just how important that is to you. I mean, did, did you grow up? That was the plan. Like, it, it didn't matter who offered you, where offered you. You were going to LSU. I mean, it was always the plan if I had the opportunity. Uh, it was a little bit later for me, though, when they did offer. And my recruitment was a, a little different. Um, I was a two-star. I, I was not highly touted. I was 795th in the country. I was 24th in the state of Louisiana. I was the 17th-ranked fullback. There's not 17 fullbacks in the country anymore. I, I don't think that they would certainly give a ranking to. So I, I was a little bit unique. But I had some offers from from big schools, but not LSU yet. And LSU was stacked at the running back fullback position. They had a lot of young guys actually committed to the University of Texas wow. before I, I signed with LSU. Uh, Coach Saban actually came to a practice. He was there to recruit like four or five other guys on our team. I went to Evangel Christian. We were a very successful high school. So he was there. Our quarterback was John David Booty, who ended up starring at yep. USC. So he was there to see a lot of other people. And crazy enough, we were doing an old school Oklahoma drill. And I'm playing running back, and I guess I had a good drill, a good day at practice that day because Coach Saban goes to my father-in-law, who actually was my offensive coordinator. Wow. And he's like, wait a minute, I'm here to see all these other guys. Like, who's this guy? And he's like, yeah, because recruiting wasn't, you know, there wasn't Twitter. So, so like, different. You didn't know every, so different. Yeah, you right. didn't know every single recruit, even no. though I did have some bigger offers. And so, like, he gives him, like, exactly who I am. And I got an offer from Coach Saban wow. that day after he left <laughs> practice. and. I felt so bad calling Matt Brown because he is the greatest human being of yeah. all time, but he understood. I was like, coach, I grew up wanting to go to LSU. I also thought Adrian Peterson was going to go to Texas. <laughs> right, that's so. true. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, look, I'm a confident guy, but that's right. uh, I'm not Adrian Peterson. So yeah, a lot of things came together and it was my dream school. Coach Matt Brown was so good, even though every time I interview him now, he still kind of gives me hell about it, but <laughs> he was very, look, he was, he was outstanding on the phone. He understood everything. So it really worked out 
in the best way possible because I was really just honestly waiting on that LSU offer. And the yeah. second that I got it, I tried to play cool. I sure. gave it like three or four days, oh. but I was always going to go to LSU. Well, <laughs> what was that? What was that conversation like with with your parents? I mean, your, your people, like, because I'm sure that was their dream too. And then it finally yeah. happened. I mean, it had to be just jubilation throughout the house. Oh, yeah, it absolutely was. To everyone except my older brother. My older brother is actually a big University of Texas fan, so it did hurt his heart just a little bit, but he understood as well. My parents were, yeah, I mean, they were thrilled. I was going to be close to home. Not that Austin was too far from where I grew up, but it was going to be much closer. And also, like, I, I married my high school sweetheart, and so my wife actually, in the state of Louisiana, if you make the right grades, if you make the right ACT score, they'll actually pay for your school within the state. Wow. And so like that was a big relief because now sure. we were going to get to go to school together. And so that played a factor into it as well. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was a great. My grandma was so happy. y'all. I can't even like she was so thrilled that I was going to go to LSU. She used to pay for like back in the day when you had to have pay-per-view to watch yeah. a game because yeah. not every game was on TV. Like if it wasn't on Jefferson Pilot Sports or ESPN, you had to pay-per-view it. That's how big of an LSU fan she was. And so she might have been the most excited. I, that's awesome. That's very cool. And I know Colin Mack Brown, that had to have been tough, but oh, I think you made a, the right decision. Yeah, 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 I think I think so. Uh, being a Louisiana <laughs> boy and now living here in the state. But man, Mack is such a good person that mm-hmm. I think it hurt more that he was so cool about it. Like, it, mm-hmm. like I almost right. wanted him to be mad, but like, <laughs> yeah. Max, like, no, like I completely understand if there's ever anything I can do to help you out. I mean, when I say like the nicest human being, y'all know, I mean, y'all work around Matt Brown all the time. He's hard to beat. And if I had a son that gets to a level where Matt Brown offers him a scholarship, it would be incredibly hard for me to not tell my son, hey, run to Matt Brown and his program. All right, you heard it here first. Yeah. Breaking news. All of Jake's kids going to UNC. Here we go. <laughs> ACC bound, Mac. That's perfect for the pod. That's perfect. Okay, I want to ask about Nick Saban, though. I mean, obviously we've seen what he's done. He won at LSU and then goes on to Alabama and, and, and does what he's done. Biggest thing, it's probably hard to narrow it down to one, but biggest thing that you learned playing for Nick Saban? That the smallest thing is the biggest thing. Mm. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Like when I say that to people, sometimes like, oh, micromanaging. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. Every part of his process carries the same weight. And I think that's really important. Like no matter what you're doing, there's a reason why we are doing it. We're not going to waste time. If we're not doing it the way that it's supposed to be done, then we're going to figure out how to do it the right way. We're not going to just keep doing it the wrong way. And I learned that from like day one. I mean, there was one day that we were having a bad practice and it didn't feel great. And I'm sitting there as a young freshman. I'm like, this, this isn't like the way that, that it needs to be going, you know, and he starts the whole practice over. (laughs) And Emac, we're like in period like seven. So, you know, both of y'all know what that means. And he starts the whole thing over. He's like, we are not going to do because, you know, it was, we were, you know, we were, it was a training camp practice and, you know, guys were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. You had like a, a break where you were getting water and oranges and different things. And guys were throwing oranges on the ground and not in the trash can. Oh, no. He he wanted to make sure that with, within the process that there's a, you know, a, a rhyme and a reason to kind of do everything to get to that point. And so like, I learned that from him from day one. Gosh. That's amazing. It's amazing. I'm glad you specified it was a training camp practice because that is within the rules. There's no hour limit. You can practice as much as you want. Uh, how has he I'm, – I'm fascinated with this Nick Saban thing now. How has he uh, changed, man, over time? Because I think schematically, obviously, it's, it's very 
evident, you know, going from hard nose, eye formation to spreading it out. Let's have the best athletes in the world. But how has he changed as a coach? Because I know you're not obviously there, but you've seen it. And, and I know you've talked to him many times. Yeah, I think the best thing for Coach Saban is he did realize that college football was changing and he wasn't afraid to change with it. So I think whatever the change is, he does it. So there's maybe not one thing to say, okay, yeah, he's changed in that way. He just adapts to college football. Now, he might not like it, right? And I think he's been on record. There's a couple of things going on right now in college athletics that he doesn't love, but that doesn't mean he's not going to do those things. And so, like, whenever he had to change offenses, I know that hurt him. You know that the old school defensive mind wants to play 21, 12 personnel, run the football, and play great defense. But he realized you couldn't win championships or not to the level that they knew they could if you kept playing football that way. And look, LSU did it for way too long. Like we've talked about that too. But he realized he had to make a change. Like he realizes in the NIL space that he had to do something. He realizes that in the transfer portal, you have to do a couple of different things. And so like he will adapt to whatever he's got to do. And that's probably, you know, it's probably been the biggest change. Now, a lot of my teammates would say he doesn't scream as much as he used to. <laughs> and maybe that's the case. I'm not there day in and day out, but I can say that coach Saban's going to do whatever he has to do to adapt to whatever the best thing for college football and his team is. Yeah. And he's definitely done that. It almost reminds me a little bit of coach K on the basketball side, you yeah. know, you embrace something it may be begrudgingly, but you want to win. I mean, that's the bottom yeah. line. When we talk about the changes, you are a guy with, especially that 07 year at LSU, you could have made some NIL money. All right. Let's be real. You did not have that opportunity. How? Hey, in, they, in, they made their own money. You don't have to. <laughs> Jacob was fine. You're good. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> we will. We'll edit that out. Um, but how, how do you think the student athlete experience, specifically yeah. for a big name in college football, how has it changed from, you know, 20, 15 years ago, even when Mac and I were playing, I mean, none of this was possible, to now? What do you think is the biggest difference? Gosh, when you start talking about uh, NIL and what we could have made, like, I know some people are against it, but I'm just sitting there thinking, like, not even, like, go out there and buy lavish things. I, I know that we got a scholarship check. I know our school is paid for, and that's very, very important to be able to get your education, and that was important to me. But, you know, I was married in college. I got married going into my senior year, and I started to think my wife actually had to drop out of school. Um, my $500 little scholarship check didn't even pay half the rent because it was a couple of years after Hurricane Katrina. And so the housing market here in Baton Rouge, because half of New Orleans had to move up to Baton Rouge. I mean, it was, you know, $1,000 a month didn't get you a place that was barely livable. And I made $500 on my scholarship check. Now, I made the decision to get married. That was my decision. But she had to drop out of school. She had to pick up a full-time job. And, you know, I, I couldn't help because I couldn't get a job either because obviously school and, and athletics, y'all both know, like there's no way. In the summertime, yeah, you can get you a little warehouse job, but you can't do that during the season. And so, like, there was times, like, it, it was a lean. Like, I could go to the, to the training, uh, the dining hall, and I could eat dinner, but it wasn't unlimited meals either. Like, that wasn't a thing. And what was my wife going to do? And so – there were some lean times that I think about, man, it would have been nice just to have like a couple of extra dollars here and there. And, uh, you know, I think I maybe would have done well in the national championship team being the running back there. Like, I don't know, but I know it would have helped. <laughs> Whatever it was, it certainly would have helped. So, yes, I, I understand the amounts of money are, are really high and some people really don't agree with that. But you are what somebody's willing to pay you. 
just mm-hmm. like, I mean, we all work in sports media. Like if so, like I, I still can't believe, don't tell my boss at Sirius XM, but I cannot believe <laughs> that I get paid what I do to sit there and talk about college athletics, but right. it's what they're willing to pay me. So yes, of course you're going to accept it. And you've got, you know, a family to raise and a family to feed and all those type of things. And so like, for me, like, I don't get as mad about the NIL stuff. Like I realize you have an opportunity right now. Like I was fortunate to play six years in the NFL. I think I actually could have done better maybe in the NIL space at LSU right. than I did in my Seriously. NFL career. And I was a third round pick. I mean, I, yeah. I was fortunate enough to be a draft choice, but I still think I probably could have done better or, or very similar to what I did in the pros. And then I start thinking about, think about all the great college football players that we've had that haven't been able to have a long NFL career. And right. I always think of like the nineties, Nebraska teams. When I think about this, like Tommy Frazier and Eric Crouch and even Scott Frost to some extent before he got into coaching, because like their game didn't maybe translate to the NFL at the time or, or just uh, Chris Doring. Like Chris was able to have a NFL career, but he was bouncing from team to team. And I'm like, Man, at Florida, he's from Gainesville. He played at PK Young. That's on the campus of the uh, of the school. Like you tell me, Chris Doring would not have made more money in that setting yeah. than he did in his NFL career. So, like for me, I kind of always think about that. Whenever you get mad about it, just think this is right now the height of some of these student athletes' careers. Um, mm-hmm. LSU baseball, Cade Beloso. Cade Beloso just went on a tear in the postseason, just had one of the best Omaha's that you'll ever see, won a couple of games for LSU. We just had a 20-round draft. He didn't get selected, right? So, like, that was the height of Cade Beloso. And you know what he had? About four or five NIL deals. And sitting there having a conversation with him, he got to benefit off what he did on the field because when those run out, there's no professional career. He's going to go to commercial insurance or commercial real estate, and that's going to be – or media or coaching, whatever he decides – to sure. do and that's going to be his next gig but it's not going to be a professional athlete right wow yeah i mean it's uh very grateful that it's here man and i think it's it's well deserved it's long overdue and and sure there's ups and downs and there's changes and laws and all these things that need to be you know kind of tuned up it can't just right. be a wild wild west yeah. but until that happens these are the rules in place and and you gotta you gotta play by them what what about the, the this next wave we're kind of getting into this kind of new world in real time of college football with playoff expansion and, and these crazy media deals and uh, realignment, conference realignment, all these changes. Yeah. Uh, in your mind, man, is this good for college football? Is this good for what we love and hold so dear? Yeah. I don't know. It's a lot of change. I mean, we want to change in college athletics for a long time. We didn't get any. And then, like, all of a sudden we get all of it. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a lot to take in. Uh, you know, change is not necessarily a bad thing, but I guess my question would be, where does it end or does it have an ending point? Like, do we have a finish line? Like when I'm running a race, I want to know where the finish line is and I don't see a finish line right now. And that's kind of what has me a little nervous. Like at what point is everyone going to be satisfied for long enough for there not to be mass changes and conference realignments, one of them. And like, I mean, y'all know this covering the ACC. Like, that's the question that always gets brought up. And the grant of rights, and can this team leave? And if this team leaves, what's going to happen there? And then in the Big Ten, we're going to go look up, you know, if your college is on the academic list for you to be able to get into the Big Ten. And we're scrolling the list like, oh, man, they're on the list. They might be a candidate for the Big Ten. And so, like, I'm kind of, like, ready for that part of it to kind of slow down a little bit. You know, the Big 12 is going to have wholesale changes. Uh, the American is basically like they, you know, 
blend with Conference USA. So now it's like, wait a minute, are they a Conference USA team? Or are they American team? Or I'm like, I'm going to have to study that and learn that. Yeah, certainly. And then like the Pac-12, like San Diego State, they told the Mountain West, no, we're actually going to leave. And then they felt like they didn't have a home. And now the Mountain West is like, you know what? We're going to play hardball. We've got this six and a half million dollar check. You're not going to get it. It's going to sit in our bank account and gain interest, not yours. Okay. You can't come to the meetings. The door's locked. You can't sit here. You're not coming. And it's like, what, my gosh, what are we, what are we doing? And like San Diego State's a good athletic department, like Mm -hmm. a good, steady, like good at a lot of different sports athletic department. And they misplayed their hand. And so like, it's a story. And now like, where do they end up? And like, those are the type of stories that I'm kind of hoping go away a little bit. And we just kind of have, okay, here's what it is for just a little bit. Like this period of time, here's what we're going to get. And we kind of know what we're going to get. Yeah. And for me, I think I'm, I'm worried about the regional aspect of a lot of these rivalries. You know, it's going to be really hard for me to get into a UCLA Rutgers game at some point. But as someone who's from LSU or from Louisiana, went to LSU and you were committed to Texas. So that's a, that's fascinating here. When I look at it from the ACC perspective, there's a lot of people, especially I used to do uh, sports radio in Clemson. They they do not like the expansion. You know, why are we yeah. playing Syracuse? Why are we playing Pitt? And you could even argue some of the Syracuse Pitt fans are saying, why are we playing? You know, why are we going down to Florida? From an SEC perspective, when you heard OU and Texas were joining the SEC, what was your reaction? Good for the league, bad for the league? What were your thoughts? It was a shock. There's no question yeah. about that. I mean, I remember being there at media days and a couple of our media member friends, I haven't seen them run full speed like that in a long time. Crazy. A lot of hamstring injuries, I think. A lot of a lot of people trying to hit top no speed. No stretching. Hit top speed in a long time. But, yeah, I mean, it was obviously a shocker. Uh, you just don't expect two brands like that to mm-hmm. pick up and leave at the same time. As far as, like, a fit, obviously, like, where they're at on the map makes sense. And the SEC, for the most part, has kind of kept that as one of the things that they want. I think Greg Sankey – mentioned that like seven or eight different times in his opening uh, monologue there at SEC Media Days last year. And I'm sure he'll mention it again this year. So I do like that fact because I do like knowing a lot of the people that you play. You played them in high school. You were recruited by the same schools. You went to the same camps. And there's that familiar face that you kind of see, even if you don't play with them, you play against them for three or four years. And so some of the outside the footprint stuff, it, it's hard for me to wrap my head around that. Like you mentioned, UCLA and Rutgers, like who in New Jersey is going to spend <laughs> their hard earned money to go watch a team that they don't right. know and they don't have a history with. We'll see how that plays out. And so the SEC did keep it together a little bit, but we'll see. Like even that, that's not guaranteed that that's going right. to be sure. successful. I mean, yeah, on on the surface, it looks great. You're adding two big time major brands, but you know it took a little bit for Missouri and Texas A and M. Like people in the SEC made the joke for a long time about Missouri. Are you really in the SEC? You're not. You're a Big Twelve school, and like Missouri's had some really good seasons, right? And so like that was something Missouri had to deal with for a long time. All that's not even gone away. Some uh, Texas A and M still. Like they were trying to force an LSU Texas A&M rivalry game, and I was like, right. "This feels so forced." There's nothing organic about this, right. and it took a seven overtime game for then, you know, for it to really have any juice at all. And right. so maybe somewhat a little bit now, but it's going to take time. Even with Texas and Oklahoma, mm-hmm. it's going to take time for them 
themselves and for those that have been in the SEC to kind of feel like, yes, this is actually a thing and everybody kind of belongs together. Yeah, and it's, you know, those two, you know, adding OU and Texas, it feels way more like, hey, there's some old school rivalries here. Like you said, geographically makes a lot of sense. The Big Ten, it just felt like such a reach. It just felt like brands, hey, who can we add? Who yeah. can we make a tidal wave, you know, really with? And and so I'm going to kind of put the ball in your court here again. What does this thing look like in 10 years, in, in seven years, in five years? Do, do we see a super conference, two super conferences that's a mini NFL? Do we see it stay the same for a bit? And, and I guess after you say that, what would you want? What would you want to see if you were the czar of college football? I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what happens with the Pac-12. We're waiting on their media rights deal. I don't know where they're going to live. I mean, we've heard Ion after Murder, She Wrote. We've heard CW after Dawson's Creek and One Tree Hill. I mean, it's been all over the place. And look, hey, One I, Tree Hill is a classic. Oh, now, I, I said those shows so quick because I know those shows. Okay? That's right. There's no doubt about that. By the way, it's Pacey's Creek. That's the whole thing. He ended up getting Joey at the end. But – like, where are they going to live? Like, we, we don't know that. So, like, I'm nervous for the Pac-12. And, like, I love the Pac-12. I spent, you know, six years of my life out west living in San Diego. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really respect the conference. And uh, there's some really good football teams. This year, uh, that's the thing that I hate. Speaking of, like, change, at Pac-12 Media Day in Vegas, there's not going to be a question that's not about media rights, it feels like. Right. Like, it's going to be the main topic. And you know what's going to not get talked about? The great football that's going to be played right, out west exactly. this year. The exactly. great quarterbacks that we're going to have out west this year. A team like Oregon State and the job that they've done to become relevant, to win 10 games, to beat up mm-hmm. on an SEC team in a bowl game. We're not going to talk about those things because right. media rights. Where are you going to play? Who's going to watch? Sure. Because look, the, the Pac-12 network's hard to find. I mean, yeah. you, can't, it, you couldn't find it with a search warrant at times to watch USC and Oregon <laughs> State last year. I mean, right. I wanted to watch that game, and you couldn't. So, yeah. You know, that's going to that that's one of those things that I'm nervous about the Pac-12. I don't know where it ends up going because it deserves to be talked about in the great football. It's going to be played there. So, you know, if we're going five years down the road, what's the Pac-12 look like? I mean, San Diego State, SMU, who you're going to add, Boise State, maybe, Uh, you know, Gonzaga was talked about for a while. But now it feels like maybe they go to the Big 12. So I don't know if it ends up being just mega conference. I don't know if it ends up being 32 teams NFL style. I'll be honest with you. I hope it doesn't. I I love college football the way that it is. I I think there's something to having different conferences in different parts of the country. That's why I don't really understand why you go get, you know, teams from outside of your footprint because you lose some of that. Um, if it is a mega conference, I think that will be a sad day. Even if it's two, even if it's two yeah. mega conferences, I still Same. think I don't want an AFC and an NFC. I want my college exactly. football the way that we've had it. Now you can make some tweaks and you can make, do some things here and there. That's okay. I understand that. I'm not saying I'm against change, but I just don't think it's it's the best because like, do we get a a TCU? last year who gosh I mean going on that championship run getting to a national championship game how fun was that covering that right. and do we get a Cincinnati sure. from the year before do we get opportunities to see those fan bases you know have those type of moments and like if you if you if you had a super conference if you combined everybody and you had 32 teams like with TCUB in that right. super conference like I, I don't know that but I sit there and I look at the stats of it in the last 14 years seven of those years TCU's finished in the top seven Wow. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, th- they've been at the table 
In three right, of those years, right? they've been top three at the end of wow. the season, not at wow. the beginning, not in the middle portion. Like at the end of the year, they've had that team top three. So like they deserve a seat at whatever table you're talking about, but I don't think that sure. they would get that. And so like, you're right. just going to tell that team they don't have a chance. They got to go play secondary football. Like right. to me, that that's just, that's just disrespectful to those that have come before that have played for those programs. And I think that would be just a sad day for all of college athletics. It's going to be crazy. Uh, it really is because I, I truly feel like that's just where it's going. I mean, there's just yeah. so much money involved. This is a multi-billion dollar business. And how do you get the better product? You play better games. You take away, you know, some of those meaningless games there. And it's going to be nuts. It, it absolutely is. I'm like you, though. I, I hope that we don't see it quite get to that mini NFL type of thing. Uh, let, let's talk a little ACC right here, and then we'll dive into to some matchups. There's one coming up we both might be interested in. Uh, just as a whole, the conference, um, where it is, the players it has. Yeah. Uh, as a, I don't want to call you an SEC guy, but you've got an LSU thing. You're a college football guy. Where, where is the ACC in your mind and, and kind of a, a grand scheme of things as a conference? Well, kind of like the Pac-12 a little bit. Like, I want the discussion to be about the football teams in the conference and not about the other things they're granted right still. And I know it's going to be a thing, but it's going to have some really good football this year. Now you have two right now on paper national championship contenders, always in Clemson. And Emac, you and I have talked about this before. Clemson getting thrown out of the benefit of the Dow Club as fast as they did last year made absolutely no sense to me. It's like, look, they have got the resume. They have done it in – Oh, yeah, they're a really good football team this year. Even their, you know, air quotes, bad years, like they still had a really good squad two years ago. And so, like, for me, that didn't make sense last year how they were behind some teams that have more losses than them. And so I'm starting to hear people start to figure that back out a little bit, though. Clemson's starting to get some of the respect that I felt like they deserved a year ago. They certainly have, again, built the resume to get that benefit of the doubt. And so I think you have Clemson. Can't wait to see how Garrett Riley works out. I mean, that was something. Now, like Dabo has been loyal to his guys for recent memory. I know Brent Venables years ago, he went and got him, but like he's been loyal. It hadn't worked out. And being loyal, that's if you're loyal to a fault and that's your worst trade, I mean, there's certainly worse things to be, but he was very, very loyal. So I think it is big news that he went and got a Garrett Riley. You know, he moved on from what he currently had. And he realized, I got to change it up, and he did. And now you go get one of the hottest names out there, maybe the hottest name as far as offensive coordinators. So I cannot wait to see. Will Shipley, by the way, y'all know, uh, look, we we call ourselves meatheads over on off campus. (laughs) And Phil still actually let us put an all-meathead team together. He put it it in the magazine. And Will Shipley, he's all-purpose on the all-meathead team. That's a term of endearment coming from me. I mean, I got my meathead radio shirt on here as we're doing – the interview, I cannot wait to see how Garrett Riley uses him. I mean, he is going to be so versatile within that offense. And so Clemson's going to be there. Florida State certainly is that other team. Jordan Travis, I mean, the job that he did last year to win the games they did down the stretch when it looked like, oh, here comes the same old Florida State in that three-game losing streak. But they found a way, man. They roll off, I believe it was, what, six victories in a row to end the season last year. Yep. They're going to be there, man. But that first four weeks – LSU week one, Clemson week four. If you survive mm-hmm. that, you not only are a contender, you might be a front runner with like Georgia right. and others if you roll Seriously. off those two victories because that's as hard and difficult as it gets. And so those are your national championship contenders. Now we're looking for what's behind that, right? Mm-hmm. Who's team three, four, five 
And there's a lot of candidates, and you've got a Drake May at UNC. you got Pitt, who's been consistent under Narduzzi there. They're certainly a candidate. Um, you know, what can you get from NC State? I think I was a year early on NC State. I thought last year. You and year, I both. You and yeah, I both. Yeah. yeah. I thought last year, man, I had them as like a college football playoff. Dark horse. Yeah. A lot of people did. Yeah. Sure. Devin Leary, what they had coming back, it didn't work out for them. What can they do now this year with Brennan Armstrong at quarterback? I, and I love Duke. I love Duke. Mm-hmm. I mean, the job that Elko did in year number one, getting yeah. nine wins easily could have gotten double-digit wins. That North Carolina yeah. game still – not yeah. sure how they found a way the to Georgia lose that. Georgia Tech game. Georgia I mean, Tech's another one. Both of them, right? I mean, I mean, eleven win Duke team. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. And, and look, you've you've got the two pieces that I always look at: returning coach, yes; returning quarterback, yes. Riley Leonard, mm-hmm. he is going to be in top three most underutilized or undervalued, whatever you want to yep. call it, like in the preseason here. Like people aren't going to put him maybe on their all whatever teams, but he is going to be so undervalued. He is such a stud at the quarterback position. When you have that guy, he gives you an opportunity in every game. Just like with Drake May at UNC, got same situation. You might not be the better team, but when you have that guy, he's going to give you the opportunity. That's what makes that Monday night opening game, Clemson at Duke, so <laughs> interesting. I mean, gosh, everybody's talking it's about the other games, and yeah. they should. Like, we should talk about Florida State and LSU. It's going to be a top, what, eight matchup between those two right. teams. But Clemson and Duke. On the road, not a neutral site game, an actual home yeah. game for Duke. They're going to be as excited as they've probably been in a very long time to welcome the Tigers to their stadium. So I'm looking for that third, fourth team in the ACC. If you ask me right now today, I might have Duke number three. I mean, I'm I, I am so close you. to pulling the trigger on that because I believe in Mike Elko. He's the perfect coach for that job. And I love, as I said, Riley Leonard, a quarterback. Oh, man. You and EJ Manuel, too. EJ is very, very high on Riley Leonard and Duke. And the the proof's in the pudding. I mean, we saw what they did last year. One thing that I do want to say is I need the Virginia schools to be back. I I need UVA. You're preaching to the choir. I need Virginia Tech. I need you to be back to the standards. Certainly Virginia Tech. UVA, a little bit more ebbs and flows. Virginia Tech. When I was playing college football, you were a standard. Like you were, yeah, some, Eddie you know, Royal, if you, man. Yeah, if you, Eddie Royal, uh, Flowers at corner. You had Cam Chancellor at safety. Xavier DB at linebacker. <laughs> you had uh, Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, and yep. there was yep. a Glennon. Mike Glennon was there too. So like you had a two-headed monster at quarterback. I mean, we could go player for player for player. Yeah. And when you traveled there, you were in for sixty it's minutes crazy. of hell. Now, still yeah. to some extent, that. But if your team's not any good. You lose right. that after the first quarter because even the mm-hmm. most passionate fans get tired of seeing <laughs> uh, seeing you lose there. So it's a it's a proud program. It's one that every single year felt like they were going to be in the conversation when I was playing. Emac, I'm, I'm sure you feel some of that as well. They, I want to see them get back. College football in the ACC is better when Virginia Tech is a good football team. Hundred percent for sure. And those fans still show up. Those fans they deserve do. better. They really, I, really I agree do. with you. They do. Yeah. They do. Okay, here's the million-dollar question then. Because you you said Clemson fell out of the benefit of the doubt club yeah. way too fast, which I completely yep. agree. Who's the favorite to win the league, though? I'm going to go Who Clemson. Who should be the favorite? I'm going to go Clemson. I'm going to go Clemson. Okay. I, I just I, – I, Florida State is there. It's going to be a hell of a football game. It's going to come down to the wire. You're probably going to – you know, have one of those moments in the game that it's one moment here, one moment there. I understand, you know, you know what that game's going to be like. But Clemson right now, having that game at home, um, having an offensive coordinator like we talked about earlier, having a Will Shipley 
who I mean, really I just I think he's going to explode. Now he had a monster year last year, don't mistake me, but he's going to explode with a new offense coordinator. Can Kate Klubnick do it? That is the question mark. So when you look at the two teams, obviously like having Jordan Travis, the established quarterback, you're always going to appreciate that. But I just think that with all the moves that they made and the defense, we know what the defense is there for Clemson. Right now, I would pick Clemson to be the ACC champ, but it is truly going to come down to, I mean, that game. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, there's no division, so we could get that right. game again, right? We could get a rematch Twice. for that game. Come on, baby. Ooh. Hey, beating a good team. Hell, beating a bad team twice right. is so difficult. <laughs> yeah. We like when we were in San Diego, the Raiders were awful. I mean, they were a bad football team. And that second time, it would come down to the fourth quarter every single time. It is so hard to beat a team twice. And so whoever wins that first game, just know you're Look probably up. going to have to face That's that team again. But uh, man, I, I love both teams, but right now I give the slight edge because they've been there so many times before. Sure. And I think they're playing with a chip on their shoulder as well. Yeah. I'd give the edge to Clemson. Yeah, and for me with FSU, you just got to prove it. You just got to prove that you can do it. Haven't beat you know Clemson since 2014. Yeah. Uh, th- th- there's just a lot of hoops that you are there. You can do it, but yeah. you've got to you got to show me that you can. Uh, let's get you out of here. Though. There, there is something yeah, to that. There is no something question. to to knowing what it feels like to not only win that game but to win the big game, to win the yeah. conference championship, and to know when times get tough and you got to find that play that I'm talking about. You have seven moments if you're a Clemson player that you've had to reach right. to before to win that game. For Florida State, that's kind of a new territory. Not to say they right. can't, but man, I just I put a big emphasis on teams that have done that before, been there before, know exactly what it looks like to go with. I mean, we're talking about the ACC champion. Like I feel right. like when we talk about Clemson, like people think that it's two years ago when Pitt and Kenny Pickett, like that was two years ago now. Like Clemson right. rolled it off. Clemson didn't lose a game in conference play. Last year, and for whatever reason, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, that's forgotten whenever we talk about Clemson. Yeah, that's right. I, th- I think they'll be uh, they'll be reminding folks of that. We'll see though. That's why we got to play. Uh, let, let's get you out of here. I do want to end with this uh, because I think it's it's the biggest opening game. It, it's going to be you said top eight. I think it might be top five with LSU, FSU. Lay it out for me. Lay it out like it's a boxing match, and then give me a winner because we're going to only play this a hundred times until the game. Oh, it is a boxing match. It is like old school 1993 heavyweight boxing match pay-per-view where you put all your monies together to try to find a way to buy the pay-per-view. And if you bought it, 73 people were coming to your house to be able to watch it because you bought the pay-per-view fight. And I want that game to live up to it. I think it's going to, when you go position by position, these teams are so evenly matched. Last year was such a weird game as well so we're going to have that intrigue of that and that ending a block extra point that's going to play on a loop in the coming weeks as well and it's going to come down to Jordan Travis versus Jaden Daniels it just it is I hate to make it individual in such a team sport but that is going to go whoever you know whichever quarterback that's how the game's going to go whichever one shows up whichever one plays its best because Jordan Travis last year was incredible in that game Jaden Daniels was incredible in the second half yeah, to end the game. game. Yeah, right. yeah, so it wasn't enough, right? And you fell just short there. You you can't, like, every tagline we're going to throw to this game, I hope it lives up to it because you're talking about two incredibly talented teams. You're talking about teams that not only return a bunch of starters, but also they dabbled in the transfer portal and picked up key pieces to be able to help out their team this year as well. You're talking about, you know, so many different, you know, guys coming back from injury on both sides. So, like, 
it has everything. It has everything that a standalone Sunday night opening week game should have. Uh, it's going to be in Orlando, a neutral site. I, I wish, gosh, I wish last year was at LSU. I wish this year was in Tallahassee. Those games gosh, need to be on campus. I'm not sure what the environment's going to be like there in Orlando as far as the split. It's going to be a sold-out crowd, I would assume. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about that game because it deserves to be talked about. It's going to have two marquee quarterbacks. It's going to have, you know, guys on both sides of the football that are going to be Sunday players, undoubtedly. So, yeah, it's going to live up to the hype. At least I hope it does. I think it's going to give me 1992 heavyweight fight. Come on. Well, I didn't hear a winner. So is it just assumed or what are we doing? (laughs) Uh, Oof, winner. I mean – I'm going to go LSU just because I think, I think, I think, I think last year too, like if I'm on that football team and that game ended that way, how in the world can you not want revenge from that? Like, how can you not want to go to Orlando, go to their home state and win that football game? And when these teams are that evenly matched, I'm trying to find something that makes me pick one team or the other. Also, Brian Kelly, you're number two last year it was it was a little bit of a mess there at the beginning the way they finished that season that's the Brian Kelly that LSU brought in certainly and so I think year two under him you're going to see a different LSU team and so I'll give LSU a slight advantage but again uh, that's going to be a heavyweight fight that one of those teams is going to like start their season game number two as like a national championship contender right. because right. of what they do in that game and you know both of y'all know this that can propel you throughout a season when you get that kind of momentum off a week one victory. No doubt, man. Well, this was so much fun, brother. I cannot wait to see it. I can't wait to see that game and uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. No, absolutely. Again, y'all have been so gracious with the all time. It's the least I can do. I appreciate y'all inviting me on. It was a lot of fun. Thanks again to Jacob Hester for joining us. Loved his thoughts at the end, Mac, on the Clemson-Florida State debate. I cannot wait to see how ACC kickoff goes, how much the media is buying the FSU hype train. It's going to be fascinating. A lot of times, especially when FSU was dominating in the early 2010s, the Mm -hmm. media would still give FSU the benefit of the doubt, even though Clemson was up and coming. So do we see that with the reversal here with Clemson and Florida State? I'm very intrigued. I can't wait. I can't wait to see a KG and and for a week away, right? Of seeing that next week, we will you know have a little bit of a preview before, but then we're going to hear from our two great ads over at Clemson and FSU to kind of get you ready for media day. But yeah, I'm fascinated to see with the awards, the preseason awards, the teams. There's so many that are just like border players that you could go either way with, you know, for your first team there. Yeah. Uh, and same thing with who you think is going to win the conference. So cannot wait. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. And uh, just like this summer series, again, shout out to every single guest that we had uh, come on this show. Jake Hester for being on this show with us. Really appreciates you and our great partners over at Ingles for making all this possible. But that's it from us, guys. Another great episode in the books. We're getting close. It's right here. ACC preview starting in two weeks. Absolutely cannot wait. You guys have to stay with us. Uh, But we need you to do us a favor. Go over to YouTube, subscribe, leave some comments. It's super fun to hear from you guys. We'll have some really fun stuff cooking up, like I said there. And, of course, the OGs over on Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see you all.